Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Guys of Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. It's a Scoop Tuesday here across Score North with our friend Darren Doogie Wolfson from the Five Eyewitness News Sports Team. Inside information about your favorite Minnesota sports franchises. And last night, I don't know, man, like there's been a lot of best wins of the season, but to go in to fall behind again, a fully stocked and healthy Miami Heat team last night. Anthony Edwards with big shots down the stretch. That one sequence where Rudy Gobert blocks Bam in the lane. Edwards picks up the rebound, transition, and throws down the hammer. And Michael Michael Grady and Jim Peterson were just, like, bouncing off the walls. That was fun last night, boys. That was a lot of fun. What about Cat, the shoulder into Jimmy Butler under awesome. two minutes to go. Mm-hmm. Makes the shot. What about Cat, the rebound over Jimmy Butler? Yeah, I mean, we can rank best win of the year. To me, it was when you overcome a 17-point deficit, when Miami has its full roster. Like, you go back to Boston. Now, maybe I'm overrating Derek White, but to me, Derek White is a difference maker. He did not play in that game at Target Center. Yes, Denver, wire to wire. They literally didn't trail against the defending champion Nuggets early in the season. But I will tell you, even entering that game, some text messaging with Ryan Saunders, somebody else who works for Denver. It was game three in four nights. Like, they came in incredibly tired. No excuses. Not like the Wolves have to apologize. But I'm just saying, for me, when I'm ranking wins, yeah, they came back in New Orleans, right? But Zion didn't play in that game. So when ranking best wins of the year, to me, it's last night when you're down 17 playing the defense you did in the second half holding Miami to 42 points, holding Jimmy Butler to only three points. All the turnovers early in the game, they only had a couple turnovers in the second half. They have been an incredible third-quarter team all year. We saw it again last night. And to me, the most important thing that we're continuing to see, but last night was just absolutely crystallized, 
is how mentally tough, because it's a talented team, but how mentally tough. Like, you go into a place where they literally have heat culture on the floor. And everything about last night was a game for years where where the Wolves would have just shrunk. They would have just shrunk. And instead of shrinking, they fall down by 17. And in the second half, uh, they come back and basically say, oh, no, no, we're not done yet. And they basically instill their culture on the floor of a team that's saying it's our culture that's the best way. So I, I think to liken it to my sport, it was in some ways a hockey win where you go into an opposing building and you're physical and you don't back down and you win. That's what made last night so incredibly impressive because, you know, if that comes here um, at Target Center, it's still impressive, right? But I don't think it holds near what this one did when they literally in the second half said, screw you, this is about us, and Dukes, you're right. Cat imposed his will, and that's the term. It's a football term, right? They imposed their will on the Heat. It wasn't just talent. It was a mentality. That, to me, that, that screams one thing, you guys capable to make a playoff run and i don't mean a fluky one i mean grind through a playoff run i mean they can't be bullied we have seen them be bullied in the past this team will not be bullied think about even last thursday down 17 to 2 early in dallas they could have curled up in the fetal position they did not they've overcome three 15 point deficits this year last night was the biggest the other ones were like 15 16 last night 17 You look at the Western Conference standings, they are three clear. And the reason why I look at them now, by the end of this week, we're at the one-third mark of the season. Like, as we cross Christmas, one-third of the season done, that's when I really start honing in on the standings. The Wolves are three clear of second place Oklahoma City. If you look at 2 through 11, the separation 2 to 11 is like three and a half, four games. You look at 2 through 10, Golden State is an 11. You look at 2 through 10, it's like three games. It's a mess, right? All these teams are so comparable, but the Wolves are creating this separation with the defense they are playing. To me, it absolutely is sustainable. Will they maintain this win percentage? Maybe not. Do I think they end up winning 68 or 67 games this year? Probably unlikely, but think about this run, the 16-game run right now of playing all these above 500 teams. They are now 3-1 and one during this so-called tough 16-game stretch. They absolutely, though, to me, can sustain enough to be, if not the one, like the two seed. Now, to me, it still comes down to matchups. Like, if you're playing New Orleans in the first round of the playoffs, even Sacramento, based on what Sacramento did here, even possibly Golden State, Although Golden State doesn't have the size. I think the Wolves would beat the Warriors in like five games. But it's Steph. It's Draymond. It's the rivalry now. Right? So it always comes down to matchups. I'll even say this much. Phil, tell me if you agree with this. So John Morant back tonight. Can Memphis somehow move up to like the 10 seed? Then win like the 8 seed? Hmm. John Morant, they'll get Marcus Smart back. I don't know Brandon Clark's status. I mean, he's not going to be back soon, but could he be back like in March, early April? Plus Memphis, plus Sacramento, by the way, these are teams that have assets. So if Toronto decides to punt, if they move Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, 
those will be two teams that I believe will be in the mix for those guys. So there is the possibility. I'm just thinking Memphis with Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., Marcus Smart, Ja Morant. If they don't move Luke Kennard, who, by the way, if they do decide to move him, to me, he's a good fit here with the Wolves. But I just think Memphis has some pieces, especially if they add somebody at the trade deadline where I'm not sure I'd want to play them in the first round. So here's the math on that, just for fun. By the way, bring on Memphis even with Ja. I think this well, is maybe. such a different team. Right. And, oh. Hey, where where are the Grizzlies right now? Like, are they 12th or 13th? Like, they're they need to jump multiple they're, teams. They're 13th. They're 13th. Yeah, okay, so they need to jump 12 and 11 just to get to 10. Then if yep. you're the 10, you need to beat the 9 just to then have a chance for the 8 seed. So there is a lot that needs to happen for Memphis to jump into a playoff spot. But I'm just saying, if Memphis does make a deal at the trade deadline, if they go on a run starting tonight with Ja, with Marcus Smart back soon enough, they worry me a little bit. I think they would need to go, by the way, 34, so 40 wins. Oklahoma City was the 10 seed going into the play-in last year with a 40-42 and 42 record. So Memphis would have to go 34-23 and 23 the rest of the way, start hot and, and go. And even if they did, I just don't, fear there's a couple teams in here like the Clippers have gotten it going a little bit after moving Westbrook to the bench and Harden had like eight threes last night that's an interesting team the Nuggets are always gonna you, you're everything's gonna have to go through Denver even if it doesn't actually go through like a home court Denver the Pelicans fully stocked I would say this I think and we saw it the other night in that loss to New Orleans with Zion if every team in the Western Conference is fully healthy I would say the Pelicans and the Nuggets are the two teams that would be the biggest problems. Not that there yeah, wouldn't I mean, be other Phoenix teams that give do. you a yeah, I still think Phoenix. Yeah, Phoenix. Yep. Beal, Booker, Durant. Now maybe, hey, that's the one schedule disadvantage the Wolves have had so far, right? Where they were playing in Phoenix after a game the previous night in San Francisco against the Warriors. The Suns did not play the previous night. So the Suns had the schedule advantage and destroyed the Wolves without Beal, right? Booker played, Durant played, yep. but no Beal. But now Beal's hurt again. You know, I just, I wonder, like you look at the standings right now, like it could be Suns-Wolves in the first round. But here's the beauty, because of everything we laid out, that you can't bully the Wolves, you know, the defense, number one in the league, sustainable. Like to me, heading into any game, if you're a Wolves fan, you shouldn't fear losing. Like, you really shouldn't. The way they are playing, especially that defense, Mike Conley Jr., I'll just say this much, and they need to extend him. There hasn't been any chatter. They could extend him right now. I hope Mike Conley finishes his career in a Wolves uniform. The Wolves are well aware of that. Those talks will pick up at some point. As good as Gobert has been, if they don't make the Conley trade, which included Nikhil Alexander-Walker, they are not 20-5. and Now, I think some of Gobert playing at this level is the presence of Mike Conley. But I'm just saying, if D'Angelo Russell was still here, we're not talking about the Wolves being 20-5. and Mike Conley Jr. is that much of a difference maker. 100%. Hey, on the Anthony Edwards stuff, so I'm just, I'm going to go big picture here because there's been a lot of, a lot of stuff floating around social media here. But if you go back like a year, year and a half, you've got him on Instagram live making the comments of uh, the offensive comments to the LGBTQ community you had. And some of this stuff is like, okay, we're talking about 20, 21, 22 year old young men here. 
the ch- the chair throwing thing in Denver, which w- turned out to be a big nothing burger to me. I don't know, like that that felt weird. Uh, but then now you've got, I guess I would describe it as um, the the public overflow and screenshots of a woman that I would call an acquaintance of Anthony Edwards. I don't know that she is his girlfriend, but she's pregnant. And Anthony Edwards is the father, and it's kind of playing out publicly here. They're back and forth on text messages. I don't know. What would you do with all this stuff? Like Finch came out and said, hey, we're just dealing with he still has room to grow as from a maturity standpoint and whatever. So how, what, what would you do with this? What do you think the wolves are doing with all these little things with Anthony Edwards? Well, I mean, what Finch said publicly pregame last night is exactly what I would have said. Leave it at that publicly continue to work with him behind the scenes to educate him. He is 22 years old. God knows some of the mistakes, maybe not quite this, but the mistakes I made, as a 22-year-old. I'd like to think he'll learn from this. Now, if you're a Wolves fan, I think all you care about at this point is, does it impact him on the court? Clearly, watching last night, it's not going to impact him on the court. But there does need to be a continued, you know, just education process behind the scenes that he has to realize, like, you can't be doing this stuff, right? Like you can't well, put but yourself what's interesting in this that is position for decades and decades. Professional athletes, sure, did he's not the only the one. Same right? things and worse, but we didn't have social media, and that and I that's know. not an excuse. It's hey, man, well, awareness, yeah. maturity, be an adult. Sure, this stuff happened twenty five years ago. There wasn't access on an Instagram story to blast all these text messages. Correct, text messaging right. wasn't even a thing. Yeah, twenty five years that ago, that still takes place now. But I still and... think Anthony needs to put himself in a better position. I, think, still, I mean, I don't think I'm breaking news suggesting that. So, Dukes, it still takes place now. It just doesn't get out as much. I, I mean, well, and heck, it got, got out. Adrian Peterson had how many kids? Seven kids, something like that, by different people. But the thing about this is, too, this, again, is a reminder that, because I, I agree with you, if this was like a legal situation or something that affected the team, then it's bad because it comes into the locker room. This obviously does not. My God, Sean Kemp had like eight kids. Um, But this is a reminder, too, I think, for everyone, including parents especially, who have kids who love this guy, you have to separate the players from the people. Yes, yes. That's the the cautionary. That's the lesson here. And the lesson is not – hopefully Ant matures a lot, okay? But we have seen this from older players as well, like – to your point, there's nothing he's done that's like, oh, my God, he is a renegade and everyone else is doing the right thing. A lot of guys do, but a lot of guys don't. But I think what this is, is this is really, you know, if you have a kid that loves Ant and is like, mom and dad, what's going on here? Why? You need to sit the kid down and say, look, look, junior, the deal is this. Unfortunately, the player that you watch and love, that's awesome. And he might even put out a really good public face. But the the reality is, behind the scenes, we don't know these people. And I think that's the most that's important it. thing, you know? Yeah, I mean, I had that, Judd. I mean, I don't know if it was, like, literally a sit-down, but I had that exact conversation with my nine-year-old, Keaton, going back many months because he's a big John Morant fan, yeah. right? And he's active on TikTok. I mean, we parent that stuff, but it's not 100%, right? So, like, he sees stuff. Heck, his buddies in school, you end up talking, right? 
he sees a story. We have the TV on, yeah, right? You so you have to separate, explain. right? Admire yep. what the player does, in this case, on the court. But by no means should you put it this way. Hero, right? John Morant shouldn't be anybody's hero. Anthony Edwards shouldn't be anybody's hero. There was a, one more thing on this. It made me it made me chuckle. Maybe it shouldn't have. But there was a, a video that surfaced where it was like Anthony Edwards and his girlfriend discussing the situation with this other woman. I and saw she, it, and, yeah. and, she, and she's saying like, you know, and it's his clearly his voice. Like, and, and she's saying, you know, how I don't understand. Like, how could you do this? She's not even that good looking. And he interrupts her and goes, she's fine as hell. And I was like, oh, my God, dude, like the I don't know. It's a different world. Sometimes I was talking with with Alex Boone about this off microphone last week with it was the, the Sean McDermott speech that got out from four years ago where. Sometimes when you pull the curtain back on professional sports, you got to be careful with your expectations because like demogorgons are going to fly out of the closet when you pull that curtain back. Sometimes it's better for that divide to exist for us to maybe not want to know so much. Yes, I hope it doesn't diminish. There are enough athletes out there that literally do everything right. Like Harrison Phillips of the Vikings is the Walter Payton man of the year for a third time, by the way. Mm -hmm. So. That guy does everything right. Heck, you know, I've got some stories from the Travis family here in town. Reed Travis was at Stanford when Harrison Phillips was there, right? Like, this hasn't just started when he became a professional athlete. Harrison Phillips has been a really good dude going back a long time. Mike Conley Jr., trust me, really, really good dude. Good family man, good dad, all that stuff, right? So I hope it doesn't diminish those good stories out there that will continue to tell those good stories. But yes, Ant has a lot of growing to do, but that's okay. He's 22, right? So let's reevaluate when he's like 27, 28, 29, 30. Hopefully he's still here in Minnesota. Hopefully he's a much more mature man by that time. Uh, Hey, before we dive into more scoopage and discussion here and get to some Vikings too, Judd, let's shout out our friends at Finch Home Solutions here. No relation to the head coach of the 20 and 5 Timberwolves. No, but, 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 there is a correlation because Chris Finch is a basketball expert. In fact, it's Chris Finch Basketball Solutions. But Cody Finch, my guy, has Cody Finch Home Solutions. And those home solutions involve any electrical needs that you might have in your home, big or small. I've been talking about them for a long time now. But you know why? Because they deserve to be talked about and they deserve to be called and or contacted. If you have any electrical issues, it could be a small one. It could be like an outlet that needs replacing. A two-prong to a three-prong. That's right. Sports Dad knows his electronics. It could be your house needs to be rewired it could be that you need the installation of uh the electronics for a hot tub anything that you need finch home solutions can take care of it there is the van right there 612-357-2604 or finchhomesolutions.com finchhomesolutions.com and make sure that you tell them that the guys from score north told you to take advantage of the best in town okay the vikings my god well can i give you a little bit more wolves Nothing huge, but today is the start of the G League showcase in Orlando. So the Wolves have a bunch of front office executives there. Every team does. So really, like, it's like the basketball winter meetings, if such a thing existed. So, like, over the next few days, we may hear some trade chatter start to pick up. Plus, the Wolves have had scouts throughout the South the last few days. I know they had a couple scouts at the Auburn-USC game. On Sunday, they had a couple scouts on Saturday in Atlanta, Kentucky, North Carolina. 
Ohio State, UCLA. Yes, we can talk about the draft because the Wolves actually have a first-round pick in June. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. Uh, you know, let's let's start here with with Vikings. Actually, does Jake Browning have a point? Jake Browning in front of every camera he could find after I mean, daggering did the he Vikings. Think they were going to cut Kellen Mond, so that was the decision, right? It was Kellen Mond was was a I mean guaranteed contract, not a big contract, but like we just drafted this guy. It was basically Sean Mannion or Jake Browning, and they chose Sean Mannion. Right. He was no, he was mad. What what he explained in the press conference is what made him mad was they told him to go back to the hotel, cool your heels. We might put you on the practice squad. And then they basically didn't call him back. So he felt he felt that they he was and he's not wrong. Like after two or three years, he felt that he was owed at least the the hey, if you're gonna tell me you're gonna do something, tell you know follow through and he just sat there and sat there and his agent finally called and said we're going to the Bengals I believe so that's why he was mad it wasn't that he thought he belonged on the actual 53 he just wanted the courtesy of I've been around here and I'm sure he was pissed off too and I don't blame him keep in mind he was the only quarterback in that camp who was vaxxed and so like he went through that whole practice by himself basically and he did them like Zimmer was like, I think, very high on the fact that he did them a solid. So I think he felt disrespected and I don't think he's wrong. But, yeah, he was very aggressive with how he dropped the F-bomb on him. Yeah, I mean, that was really aggressive. I guess I would have preferred if he brought that up leading up to the game. But I get it. You hold all that in. You win the game. You make some plays late. Perfect time to unleash. But I just wish it had come up during the week, not necessarily post game. But, yeah, I mean, Judd, thanks for the clarification. That's exactly right. Hey, let's not forget, the Vikings did believe in him heavily. I mean, look back at the money Maybe. they gave him. Like, they gave yep. him the most money they could give him as an undrafted free agent. Like, they loved him coming out of Washington. So, yeah, I mean, did the Vikings make a mistake? Sure. I mean, I guess you could lay that out, right, based on what took place with Mond, Sean Mannion just being a guy that they easily could have kept Browning, invested in him. You can see that there's some potential there. but. Like, I don't think it was a fireable offense based on what they did. Yeah. It's uh, interesting. I mean, I, I root for the guy. I think he's talented enough. But it, just, it was a very aggressive reaction to – I mean, they, they did make the wrong decision, and they kept Sean Mannion around for two or three years longer than they should have. But what, what other Viking stuff here? So Jordan Hicks seems like he's coming back. Three games left here. Give us some, uh, some injury nuggets, Dukes. Yeah, so it is a work day. So this is not a Tuesday off day. The Vikings are working today in Egan. The idea is, so, you know, Kevin O'Connell publicly announced on Monday, okay, the Jordan Hicks practice window is opening up. But not only is it opening up, like he's always had December 24th. I've mentioned this, so I'm reiterating it. He's had December 24th circled. That is the game I plan on coming back. That is the first game he is eligible to come back. So let's see how the week progresses, but I'm just telling you, Jordan Hicks has been progressing, and in his mind, he is playing on Sunday against the Lions. 
Ryan O'Neal was not in a walking boot late last week. It is not a season-ending injury, but I need to see how he progressive progresses early this week. Like, if he's not back for the Detroit game, maybe it's the Green Bay game, but I'm just telling you, not a season-ending injury for Brian O'Neill. Certainly encouraging that late last week, he was not in a walking boot. I continue to be asked about Marcus Davenport. Remember him? So there has yeah. been optimism in the building going back weeks that, hey, he will be back. It is not a season-ending injury. He does have incentive to play. He gets paid these bonuses if he's active. But there still is some desire questions there. Like, ultimately, it's the player. The player really has to want it. Put it this way. I don't foresee any scenario where Marcus Davenport is back in purple next year. But it sure would be nice to have him on the field at some point these last three games. But I would have told you two weeks ago the Vikings thought he'd be back by now. Like, they haven't even announced that they're opening the window. So it's just, it's a weird situation. He's absolutely out of the walking boot. He's been out of the walking boot for the better part of 10 to 14 days, if not longer, for sure, like 10 to 14. But I'm just telling you, the player, like, he has to want it. All right, so if you want to read between those lines, do whatever you want. But, like, there are questions about the player's want there, you know. But hopefully maybe something clicks and, you know, maybe they can open up the window here before the year is over. It ain't going to click, my man. I, it, it, may ain't gonna click. Yeah, it may not. That's what I'm saying. He's not coming back next year. It's a terrible sport, and there are people that are, are very talented at football who have no interest in playing it, and we've covered guys like that. Ryan and and you know what? Yeah. I don't even mean that as a, a derogatory statement because I wouldn't want, want to play the sport. But, um, yeah, I think, there's a, I think there's a big gap between um, talent and I want to play, and if they don't come t- together, you can be in trouble. On Nick Mullins, have you heard any scuttlebutt about this? So O'Connell did come out, I'm guessing, after telling the team on Monday and announced in his press conference that Nick is going to start again on Sunday. Have you heard any scuttlebutt if there's, a, as Phil and I discussed yesterday with Dex, a leash here? Because, you know, Kevin O'Connell did refer to, if I'm not mistaken, catastrophic mistakes. And when I hear my coach say something like catastrophic mistakes, that is not exactly like small errors in judgment. So do we think that there is a potential leash on Nick Mullins if he does indeed, let's say, make another catastrophic mistake in the first quarter on Sunday? Well, I mean, I don't know how long it is. Yes, I mean, sure, there's some sort of one. But, like, I've heard there's reluctance to go with the rookie. And now that we know that Jaron Hall is the designated backup, as long as the playoffs are attainable, that they're not ready to throw Jaron Hall out there. now. If an injury dictates that, okay, right? And clearly they've made the decision that Jaron is the two, not Josh Dobbs. But I still hear that there's some reluctance to put Jaron out there. But sure, if it's like multiple catastrophic mistakes on Sunday, like I don't know how you wouldn't in the moment make the change. But I still get the sense that they feel like, like you look at, you know, how many balls did he throw that traveled 10 yards or more in the air? Was it 10? He completed eight of 10 passes that traveled 10 or more yards in the air. Now, hey, we can debate how accurate some of those throws were, right? I mean, he's got gunslinger. He's a, he's a gunslinger, game, right? man. He'll throw it down. He's Brett yeah, Farvest, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he's a Southern Miss guy, right? He's not a game manager at all, right? So there's the good with the bad. But I still hear, you know, enough scuttlebutt 
that as long as the playoffs are within reach, which certainly they are now, hey, it's more scattered, you know, or muddled than ever right after Seattle beats Philadelphia last night. But as long as the playoffs are within reach, that they aren't ready to put a rookie out there. Uh, what else is in your scoop bag here for us, Doogie? Any uh, any any twins movement? Oh, give us the uh, Rob Anthony. I saw you on Twitter uh, say Rob Anthony, longtime front office, you know, 30-plus years in the organization not being renewed by this front office. So that's, I don't know. I don't know if that matters to fans or not, but that's a, he was Terry Ryan's right-hand man. He was the interim GM between Terry Ryan and um, and Derek Falvey. I like Rob personally. He's a really good guy behind the scenes, but this will be the end of his of his twins tenure, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, it's a heck of a you. run, though, right? I mean, you know, once upon a time, worked in public relations slash media relations, climbed the ladder. Yeah, you mentioned it. I mean, after Terry Ryan exited, before Derek Falvey was hired, he was the interim general manager. Yeah. You know, for a long time, especially under Terry Ryan, he had his fingerprints heavily on so many moves, so many direct negotiations, trade talks, free agent signings. Now, his role diminished greatly the last couple years. I'll actually give Derek and Thag credit where they could have cut the cord on Rob, somebody from the previous regime, years ago, where they kept him on board. But yes, his contract expires on December 31st. He has been told his contract will not be renewed. So after a 35-year run wearing multiple hats in the Twins front office, Rob Antony is done. There's been a shift. I mean, they have a new, I don't have his name in front of me, but they have a new director of international scouting. So Fred Guerrero, who was big on signing Max Kepler, Jorge Polanco, Miguel Sano back in 2009, you know, other international moves. He has now moved on. I believe he's with the Royals. Doesn't matter where he landed, but he moved on. But I'm told, like, the Twins offered him a one-year deal, but they knew offering him a one-year deal, he wasn't going to take it. And so, you know, that's interesting to me. You know, they cut the cord on a couple other scouts. So, yeah, there's there's been some change in the in the front office, you know, the behind-the-scenes stuff, you know, going back the last couple weeks. In terms of moves, Phil, I mean, I still think if I had to rank, like, the likelihood of guys being traded, Jorge Polanco is number one mm-hmm. on the list. Heck, going back to early November, I said, keep an eye on the Toronto Blue Jays, also the Seattle Mariners, plus I'm sure some other teams. Now we see John Morrissey of MLB Network saying, hey, the Toronto Blue Jays, interest in Jorge Polanco. Well, yeah, we mentioned that in November. So I would still keep an eye on the potential of a Polanco trade. Yes, Max Kepler also in that mix. Certainly Kyle Farmer, his $6 million salary. The Twins are on the lookout for a starting pitcher. But otherwise, been pretty darn quiet it really has yeah yeah it's funny because mlb trade rumors is a great sort of like just catch-all for headlines and rumblings and news and there's the there's been one twins post since i think the 9th of december so in the last well, 10 I mean, days well, one like, twins post i caught up with emilio pagan had a great 20-minute conversation with pagan on friday i'll put that on the next scoop podcast but like the Reds were aggressive. They were the first team to call. Ends up two years, 16 million player option in 2025. Great deal for a middle reliever. But yeah. like the Twins didn't even make a phone call, right? I get it that we're not surprised mm-hmm. that Pagan moved on, but they didn't make a phone call. Tyler Malley, and I get it. He is going to miss most, if not all, of 2024. But I still thought the Twins might engage him 
right? They did it with Michael Pineda years ago. The Twins literally didn't make a phone call on Tyler Malley. Yes, on Kenta Maeda, but they were only willing to do one year. You know, his representation told the Twins, hey, there's a two-year deal out there. So the Twins knew early on they were not going to retain Kenta. They knew early on they were not going to retain Sonny Gray. And so it's interesting. Like, there's some interest in, you know, re-signing Donovan Solano, but they have not offered him a contract. That was one of those, hey, we'll circle back to you later if you find something. By all means, take it. We're not holding you back from signing, but we're not interested in doing a deal yeah. right now. So it is very, very much a slow play at Target Field right now. Yeah. So there he is, Darren Doogie Wolfson from the 5 Eyewitness News Sports Department. One more. So we're at this hospital visit, some wild players at Children's Hospital in Minneapolis late last week. Jonas Brodeen asked by a patient, hey, how long will you be out, Judd? He says four to six weeks. So I know we've heard the four Kids weeks. Kids are getting all the scoops. But he mentioned four to six weeks. Right? So, yeah, these kids are getting all the scoops. Good for them. It's hilarious, man. Judd, you should, like, judge, judge should show up to the hospital. Here's your like, hey, kid, here's your 20. Good job. <laughs> I want to see Judd, Judd show up, like, on your knees with a little, little costume dressed as a kid. So Jonas, how long are you going to be out? Jonas! So how, long, so how long are you going to be out? Exactly what's wrong. <laughs> I have an upper body injury, but you've got a cast on your arm on the lower part. No, Isn't it is that my a lower upper body? Could be a fake cast. Maybe it's maybe it's something else. And he's the knee towards ACL. Yeah. And he's wearing a dummy cast. All right, there he is, Darren Doogie. I Wilson. love it. National signing day tomorrow. So great day in my world. You know, seeing a lot of kids sign yeah. on the dotted line, even with the portal, even if they're not going to decommit. be in school for four years, it's still it's still a <laughs> cool day. So I look forward to that. Tomorrow, yeah, the buzz is there. The Koi Parrish, top 100 player in the country from ESCO. How often does, you know, mm. ESCO, the Duluth area, how often do they produce a player worthy of an Ohio State offer? Yeah. But it sounds like the Gophers are going to be able to keep that commitment, but we won't officially know until tomorrow. But that would be a big, big get for the Gophers to keep that young man's commitment. You think about the safeties, Jordan Howden, Tyler Newbin, Antoine Winfield Jr. The Gophers have produced NFL safeties the last few years. So if you're Coy Parrish, a safety, hey, why not stay home? Why not come to Minnesota? But when Ohio State comes in, heck, Florida State came in. He said no, but visited Ohio State. There was a thought, hey, he's going to end up in Columbus. But the latest buzz is he will keep his commitment to the University of Minnesota. Then Dawson Garcia with the ankle injury. Bottom line on Garcia, like the Gophers play again on Thursday. But the next like game that matters is the Michigan game on like January 4th or 5th. He'll be fine for that game. The ankle rehab is going well. Yep. Awesome. There he is. He could play as soon as Thursday, but point is they can beat Ball State without him. They can beat Maine without him. He'll be back for that Michigan game. Boom. If not, all right, boys. I'll see you on Thursday. See you, dudes. There he is. Darren Doogie Olson from the five Eyewitness News sports team. Scoops every Tuesday and Thursday on Minnesota Sports with Mackie and Judd.